Welcome to CareCast, CareNet's podcast on family, faith, and life, with me, Vincent DiCaro, CareNet's Chief Outreach Officer, and Roland Warren, CareNet's President and CEO. In this episode of CareCast, we will talk about our experience at the 2017 March for Life and give a warning to you, our listeners, about the dangers of becoming complacent. We'll also cover new undercover videos from live action and what they expose about Planned Parenthood. And finally, we'll discuss what didn't happen during Sanctity of Life Sunday and CareNet's solution. So, Ron, we're back for another episode here of CareCast. Uh, yes. We're in the dead of winter, and mm-hmm. we're, we want to warm our listeners up with some good pro-abundant life conversation, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Although it was 60 degrees last <laughs> week. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we... Uh, Here in Maryland, right? I, I know, Maryland, Virginia. The DMV area, as they say, has yes, been yes. unseasonably warm for several weeks now. That's absolutely true. So, Thank you. You, yes. know, you know that means that March is going to be horribly cold. Absolutely. So. And that whole little segment was brought to you by the Weather Channel. <laughs> yeah. We need sponsorships, so we got to do the plugs whenever we can. <laughs> we'll, we'll preempt anyone who might want to yeah, do yeah. that. So, yeah, so lots going on here. Uh, given that we are here in February, mm-hmm. um, last month was a big month for the pro-life movement. Yes. Uh, the March for Life took place on January 27th. Uh, we were there uh, doing a lot of different things, and uh, I'm, I, I have to say that, you know, this year was was the third year that I was involved in the March mm-hmm. for Life, um, and this one was by far, I felt, the most amount of enthusiasm and hope for what's happening in the the pro-life movement. Is it, Did you get the same sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the attendance was off the charts. Um, there are a couple of time-lapsed videos that kind of show the march. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. If you, check, if you check the web, you can, you can see some of that stuff. And absolutely a lot of enthusiasm. And, you know, we, we actually, before the march got started, you know, we started our process of trying to uh, get folks prepared for that and to talk about what was going on, obviously, with a new president and a president who you know, has articulated, um, you know, some pro-life positions and some priorities that, that people mm-hmm. in the pro-life or pro-abundant life, as we like to say around here, mm-hmm. uh, world uh, uh, communicated. So we were very excited about that. Yeah. And so one of the things that we did leading up to the march was uh, you sat down with Senator James Langford of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and we did a little kind of Q&A, and you wanted to just sort of tease out some of the things that we might uh, expect on the legislative front. You know, just given, you know, his priorities, obviously, and uh, as a as a pro life senator, but also some of the things that uh, President Trump uh, talked about in his campaign and helping bring those to fruition. So, what were a couple of those things that you talked about with Senator? Yeah, Lincoln? yeah, and you can actually find that video. I guess it's it's on our Facebook page. Yes, yeah, well. on our Facebook page and on our Abundant Life blog on our website. Yep, mm-hmm. you can actually find it there if you go to care-net.org. You mm-hmm. can find that and click yep. on Abundant Life. You can find the interview. But it was great to talk to him. Very, very articulate. Very mm-hmm. passionate. A very godly man. No question about that. And um, you know, he really kind of reemphasized uh, a couple of the priorities that. Uh, that uh, President Trump had talked about during the campaign, one being defunding Planned Parenthood as long as they uh, uh, do abortions. The second piece was making the Hyde Amendment permanent uh, so that it doesn't have to be voted on or reauthorized every single year. Uh, making sure that we've got pro-life Supreme Court justices. Mm-hmm. Um, we've already had one that's been nominated, yeah, Neil Gorsuch, uh-huh. Neil Gorsuch already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the final thing was really making the Pain Capable Unborn Child Protection Act, 
which is quite a mouthful. That is a mouthful, yeah. Uh, law. Yes. And uh, certainly we think that's really important, and particularly given uh, the fact that, you know, abortion in our country is essentially legal mm-hmm. uh, up until the first breath. Mm-hmm. So um, yep. we think that's a really important thing. And, and uh, there's a lot of research out there that basically says that children feel pain mm-hmm. uh, in the womb, rather feel pain, and, and that we need to certainly at least can we can we do this as we certainly hope to overturn Roe v. Wade. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so, uh, so you, you kind of teed all that stuff up with yep. uh, with Senator Lankford. Had a great conversation with him, uh, and then we went into the well, into the march. Well, yeah. we did. And, and one other thing I want to make a point I want to make on about Senator Lankford before we move on to the march mm-hmm. was, you know, he really talked about the fact that. You know, we can't just get focused on the defunding Planned Parenthood and those kinds of things. And, you know, mm-hmm. he was talking to a number of different groups mm-hmm. about that, that, that that's not where the story ends. Is mm-hmm. that really where the story begins? That it really is about protecting the child. But then he went further. And it's also about building strong families. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. he articulated that the fact that sometimes he hears from folks uh, in his in his uh, district and other places, well, you know, now that the election's over, what else can I do? And he, he basically made the point, say, well, you can raise your kids and raise them well, mm-hmm. uh, and and have a a, a strong marriage. Mm-hmm. You can come alongside a couple who's recently married to mm-hmm. strengthen the marriage, that kind of thing. So yeah. it's you know kind of what I've been saying for years. It's not yeah. just about saving a baby; it's right. about raising a child. And it's not just, in my view, about being pro-life, but being pro-abundant life, which means you're going to get into a conversation about what does abundant life look like to a baby. Baby. Mm-hmm. And we use the obviously we do here talk about the birth of Christ mm-hmm. and talk about the fact that, you know, Christ, you know, came into the world and, and you know, and, and in God's wisdom, you know, certainly gave him a father and mother united in marriage, loving each other and loving the child. Mm-hmm. And certainly it's a high idea that we should be striving for. So we were really, really pleased mm-hmm. to hear uh, Senator Langford. Uh, and we didn't pay him anything for that. that that's right. Yeah. Nothing. And didn't have yeah. to pay anything yeah. for that. It was free. D- d- yeah, we didn't even have to kind of no. give him a hint as to nope. any of the things that we've been talking about. And he just kind of beautifully articulated this pro-abundant life vision Absolutely. without any prompting whatsoever. None us. whatsoever. Yeah. He wouldn't have let me prompt him if I could. <laughs> that's and right. I, believe me, I tried hard. <laughs> that's right. Prompt-free so, yes. policy there in the Senate. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, it was really, you know, and this is kind of the ironic sort of thing that we wanted to get to in this in this conversation, which is, you know, we again, we're talking about all these important legislative priorities that we absolutely need to kind of see through to their fruition, uh, you know, holding President Trump and his administration accountable for the mm-hmm. promises that they made and working with elected officials to do this. And then, you know, just seeing all the uh, the activity and the enthusiasm and the hope uh, there at the March March for Life in, in Washington. But sort of the ironic thing here is that um, we're at a, at a place right now that because we might start seeing some victories in Washington, D.C. for mm-hmm. more of a kind of a legislative and an advocacy perspective that folks might actually start becoming complacent and yeah. asking questions like, well, I guess our work here is done. What do we what do we do now? And, and again, yeah. from our perspective, the irony here is that, especially for the work of CareNet, that our work actually might even become, it probably will become more important the more we see v- victories in Washington, D.C. Uh, or and, and I guess another way to put that is that this is just the sort of the end of the beginning. It's not yes. the end of the end. Yeah, yeah. So the beginning is to kind of pass these laws yeah. that make abortion less accessible or possibly even illegal at some point in the future. Well, we may get there as a nation, but that may, that does not mean by any stretch of the imagination that the work is over. Yes. Um, in fact, it has just begun at that point. Yeah. And for pregnancy centers, why why is that true? It's because, well, where are all these folks going to go now? Yeah. Now that, you know, and, and I think kind of the 
economics 101 way that we've been talking about this is that there's a supply of abortion and there's the demand for abortion. Yep. And laws can actually obviously reduce the supply of abortion, make it right. harder to get, illegal, whatever it might be along that continuum. But that doesn't actually necessarily change what's in people's hearts mm -hmm. around their desire or demand for abortion regardless of its availability. Right. And so when those folks are still looking for help in a crisis pregnancy, pregnancy, unplanned pregnancy, unexpected pregnancy, whatever you want to call it, now that they can't get an abortion, that doesn't mean they don't still need help. So where are they going to go for help? And that's where CareNet comes in. Absolutely. And it really is this messaging of compassion, hope, and help, which mm -hmm. is really our brand promise to be able to be able to do that. And, you know, where we saw that firsthand really was uh, what happened in Texas. When Texas, you know, passed, uh, the state of Texas passed some laws to essentially try to help hold abortion clinics to similar standards as any other medical uh, facility mm -hmm. uh, that's providing uh, a medical service. And I put that in air quotes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, we started to get, you know, emails and, from from the pregnancy centers in Texas. And, and I remember one that I got in particular saying, my gosh, we're getting more clients. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had that notion that are we really prepared to win? Mm -hmm. Are we really prepared to win? Because if we do win, if we do win, that means that they're going to be more clients for us because, you know, overturning Roe v. Wade won't outlaw sex outside of marriage, won't outlaw unplanned pregnancy, any of those things. So mm -hmm. the risk won't will still be... father absence. Father absence, yeah, none of those thing. things. Yep. Those things will still all be legal. Right, right. <laughs> and so um, they're gonna be, there's going to be a need uh, for that. And, and really, when you think about it, you know, Roe v. Wade being overturned or, or restricted in significant ways, it actually takes us back to where we were before. And what mm -hmm. did we used to do before abortion was legal? Well, we offered compassion, hope, and help to anyone facing a pregnancy decision. That's what we did. The church came alongside. The family came alongside. We did everything that we could to try to help that couple build a high-quality, low-conflict mm -hmm. marriage. Right. I mean, all those kinds of things were the things that we were doing before Roe v. Wade yeah. was made law. Right. Well, so we've, in a sense, become complacent. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And I think, and I guess, you know, to kind of summarize all of what we've just said over the last couple of minutes, that, I guess that, that's what... That's what we want to really communicate here is that, you know, this is sort of a, I guess, a warning, so to speak, mm -hmm. to our listeners that yes. do not become complacent when you start to see victories happen in Washington, D.C. around the pro-life issue yep. uh, because it's really only really marking the beginning of our work in a lot of ways. Yes. And so absolutely, just kind of balancing those perspectives between changing laws versus changing hearts, changing minds, helping people walk through issues from kind of a ministry uh, perspective. Right, exactly. And that's exactly what we're about here at CareNet. Absolutely. So wanted to transition to another uh, another topic. Uh, organization called Live Action, which some, some mm -hmm. of our listeners might know about, uh, releases undercover videos uh, from time to time. And they just have, they have a new series of videos coming out that are, that are again, exposing uh, some less than savory practices, let's say, that Planned mm -hmm. Parenthood engages in. Yes. Um, and the most recent one actually showed that uh, Planned Parenthood says that they publicly that they offer prenatal services right but upon calling 98 centers um i think it was something around 93 like of them or yeah. something didn't offer any prenatal services yeah, yeah. so i guess it was five out of 98 or yeah. something along those lines and even for some of the ones that did provide prenatal services mm -hmm. they were basically providing i think like prenatal vitamins or something like that which right. is a very low level right uh you know, part of prenatal services that yeah. any that anyone would would kind of categorize. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but the thing that really stood out to us and in, in that uh, in that first video was that uh, in one of the videos, a woman 
uh, enters an undercover woman enter, enters the Planned Parenthood and asks for prenatal services. And uh, the person at the desk at the Planned Parenthood says, we don't do that, but uh, you can go to the care net. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're the next building over. And that's something. <laughs> so for us, it was sort of this very kind of ironic sort of thing that even Planned Parenthood knows where to send people who really need help yeah. around these pregnancy decisions. Wasn't that just sort of incredible? Well, it really was. And it really kind of exposes in many ways, um, you know, the, the, the challenge around, you know, being, quote, pro-choice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people, you know, what I tell people all the time is that, you know, if someone is pro-choice, you know, there's a the transition step between them being pro-life and that's them actually becoming pro-choice mm-hmm. fully. Right, right. <laughs> and then you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, what are the choices? Well, one choice is abortion and the other choice is birth. And what you find too often uh, with individuals and organizations that would say that they're pro-choice is that they're very, very focused on making sure that they remove any obstacles to abortion for someone who wants to seek abortion. So their their, their view is that, you know, I, you know, I'm sort of I don't care which choice you make, whether it's a abortion or birth, what I'm fighting for is for you to have a right to make it. Okay, great. But on the abortion side, they want to remove every obstacle possible mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that you, that you can have that abortion. Mm-hmm. But on the birth side, mm-hmm. right, they're not focused on those obstacles. And obviously, one of the obstacles could be access to prenatal care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you would think that if you were truly pro-choice— yep. One of the things that you would offer, right? One of yeah. the things that you would offer for sure would be access to prenatal care because that's mm-hmm. clearly a hurdle that so many people face mm-hmm. and, and, and it exposes the fact that, mm-hmm. that, uh, that that's not being offered. So, mm-hmm. you know, from my standpoint, it kind of challenges even kind of the whole pro-choice mm-hmm. narrative in a sure. lot of ways yeah. because of the services that, that, you're, that you're not providing mm-hmm. to help a woman who's facing an unplanned pregnancy wants to bring her child into the world and wants prenatal services, wants a free ultrasound, all the kinds of things that, that CareNet does. And, and unfortunately, uh, the response really too often from Planned Parenthood and others like that is instead of helping women remove obstacles that they face to giving birth, so to speak, from conception to birth, mm-hmm. they basically attack the people who do that, which is the network of 1,100-plus of pregnancy centers across the country from CareNet and other, and other organizations. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, so Planned Parenthood, it, it, it appears as though they've been kind of going about uh, scrubbing any mentions of prenatal services from all of their websites. Yes. So rather than offer them. Right. So, <laughs> so that's one way. Two ways to fix a problem. That's, right? There's two ways to fix a brand promise. Right. Yeah. One of them is actually to fulfill the brand promise, fulfill the brand promise. The other one is to scrub the brand promise away. Yeah. And, and it appears as though they're, they're doing the latter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, another thing also that really sort of just highlights the just the really um, critical need for for pregnancy centers. And again, even more so in an environment where there might be some victories in Washington, D.C., is that another video that Planned Parent, I'm sorry, that Live Action released uh, actually sh- uh, showed women uh, asking for ultrasounds yes. um, at Planned Parenthoods, only to be told that Planned Parenthood only does ultrasounds yes. paired with an abortion. Yes. So you can only get an ultrasound if you are going to have an abortion because they need to be able to kind of see what the state of the pregnancy yeah. is in order yeah. to perform the abortion. So if you want to just go in to get an ultrasound to see how you're how you're doing, how the baby's doing, more of kind of a, from a frankly health perspective, yes. they don't do that. Nope. Um, and so again, uh, and also they charge, of course, for those services. Sure. But again, yeah. CareNet pregnancy centers provide completely free ultrasounds yep. and we'll give you an ultrasound no matter why you want how you want the ultrasound. Yep. Uh, because we want you to see your 
your baby. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of shows you a difference with, with this medical procedure. I mean, they, they're doing it just so they can see what they're doing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're doing it so that you can see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So they don't really want you to see what you're doing, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is what would happen uh, mm-hmm. too often. And we know how effective ultrasounds are. I think our pregnancy center numbers show that about nine out of 10 women who have ultrasounds mm-hmm. um, uh, are less likely that, mm-hmm. to have an, have an abortion. It changes their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, as an African-American, I've always thought of the ultrasound similar to the cameras that were rolling during the civil rights movement, you know, mm-hmm. in different places, in Selma and all these different places. And, mm-hmm. you know, the nation was, you know, in many ways just not really focused or even paying any attention to the atrocities that were happening in the South and the discrimination mm-hmm. and the beatings and all the different things that were going on. Mm-hmm. But when those cameras came down there and showed little girls being hosed down with, with, with fire hoses and attacked by dogs mm-hmm. and all these different things, it, it awoke them. It helped mm-hmm. them see mm-hmm. what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And that helped change hearts and change, change minds. And I look at the ultrasound as sort of like those cameras Absolutely. from the 60s. It, it, mm-hmm. That was the window into the South mm-hmm. and segregation and Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the window into the womb. And, and we have an opportunity as a nation when we see that kind of stuff mm-hmm. to respond. And certainly in the civil rights movement, we responded in a way with compassion, hope, and help. Right. And, and our, our hope mm-hmm. is that when the nation sees mm-hmm. what happens via ultrasound and when the woman or man facing a pregnancy decision sees that via ultrasound, the response will be the same. It will change as a life-changing kind of thing. So mm-hmm. if you're in a sort of a business model where, you know, there's a lot of economic incentive around providing the abortion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it makes probably a lot of sense why you wouldn't want someone to see that because mm-hmm. that could cause a transformation in their life when really you're just interested in a transaction. And, and it's a very big difference between what we do at pregnancy centers and what's happening in, in, in abortion clinics across the nation. Yeah. And it also reminds me of stories that you hear about William Wilberforce, who, uh, you know, during the time when he was trying to make, you know, slavery illegal in the yeah. British Empire, he took fellow legislators down to the docks to see yeah. the slave ships coming in and just so that they could witness the just horrific human yeah. suffering that was happening so that they could no longer say that they don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, it's kind of a window into the the reality, so to speak, of what's a- happening. There. Absolutely, um, absolutely. That's what, that's what ultrasounds do, but obviously, on, in a very positive way, see, showing the, the miracle yes. of the life that's inside uh, the woman's, uh, the pregnant mother's womb. So, yeah, amazing stuff. So, live action does just an, an incredible job with those yes, videos. And we're thankful to them. To- very thankful, and just you know, just we were kind of blown off our seats. I don't. Is that the right analogy? I don't know. We were blown away. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it might be. Yeah. When we heard. CareNet come up in a positive yeah, way. Yeah, you know, go go to CareNet. Well, we've been you. hearing this for years sure. from pregnancy centers yeah. uh, that they were getting referrals from Planned Parenthood, and yeah. frankly, we're thankful for yeah, that. Absolutely. But uh, but it really does expose who is in the business of really providing prenatal care and support, mm-hmm. and who is not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and certainly th- these videos expose that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the, and the thing that's kind of sort of I guess one of the, the I guess the lesson, so to speak, out of this among many, is that. Um, it's really sad that organizations like us and Live Action are necessary to hold Planned Parenthood accountable mm-hmm. for the things that they say. Right. In a sense, we're sort of doing the media's job for them. Yes. Isn't the media supposed to be the entity that is holding, you know, enormous multi-billion dollar organizations accountable for the promises that they make publicly and are using taxpayer funds in order to kind of carry out uh, these promises? Um, 
Yeah. But the media doesn't ask these sorts of questions, yep. and they obviously know a lot of this stuff, and they choose not to expose it. So we need organizations like Live Action and Karenet to kind of talk about these inconsistencies. Yeah, it really is kind of crazy. I mean, I imagine if, I don't know, you know, some kind of cereal or something and said that there was a toy inside and it turns out the toy was not there. Mm-hmm. I mean, this would be a big story probably on 60 Minutes or something. Yeah. Or something. Cor- corporate America Corpor- lying to Lying again to yeah. um, uh, yeah. customers or saying some, something was there's actually chocolate in something and there's not. Or mm-hmm. I mean, this would be big news and oh my gosh, and you know, the cameras would be in front of the executives and saying, you know, here's your whatever, whatever. You say that you have this. And, mm-hmm. and, and a big hubbub. Yep. A big hubbub for things that clearly are less significant in the grand scheme of things yep. than something like the life issue. So it is pretty remarkable and it's pretty pretty sad is. that that is, that is the case. There's such a commitment, yeah. uh, even by so many folks in the media, mm-hmm. uh, not to cover not to cover the truth. Right, absolutely. So the last thing I wanted to just kind of cover today uh, before we sign off mm-hmm. is um, another Sanctity of Life Sunday passed this, you know, this past January. It's Typically, the I guess the third Sunday of every January, Sanctity of Life Sunday, where presumably churches are kind of have an opportunity to talk about the life issue. And mm-hmm. we know from polls um, that you can find on our on our blogs and on our website that people in the pews want to hear about the life issue, right, right. want to hear about abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, but just kind of looking at my own church and other pastors that I know who I asked about, they weren't even aware of the fact that it was Sanctity of Life Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, you know, it kind of disappointed me mm-hmm. uh, on one level, but also at the on the other hand, really showed me the opportunity there for what we're at CareNow, what we're really trying to do around this Making Life Disciples initiative, and just the the enormous need for this program to start speaking into churches. Because mm-hmm. I would venture to say that a lot, of, again, and we know this, that a lot of pastors just choose not to talk about the abortion issue because it's a quote political issue, right? Mm, and right. they just they're not supposed to touch it, right? But what we're really trying to do with Making Life Disciples is reframe this whole life issue right. as a ministry issue. Which, of course, it is. Well, which, of course, it is, right. And it always has been. Right. Just put the frame back where it sort yeah. of should be, exactly. right? Um, so that, you know, so pastors, you know, don't necessarily, they don't ever have to talk about voting and legislation and marching and all that other stuff. Right. This is a ministry issue. Um, and I would imagine for a lot of folks who are maybe afraid or unaware of the fact that they could preach about abortion on Sanctity of Life Sunday, or really, frankly, any Sunday, um, is because of this notion that we're not supposed to talk about abortion. But we're really trying to show them that, no, you absolutely can and should be talking about abortion because it's yeah. a ministry to people in your church who need help. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, really the, the whole notion around making life disciples is really pre- providing an on-ramp mm-hmm. uh, in the church so that someone who's facing a pregnancy decision, I say all the time, you know, that, you know, a woman wakes up Sunday morning and she takes a pregnancy test and it's a, a blue plus and it's not good news. Exactly who is she supposed to talk to in the church? Mm-hmm. I mean, who is she supposed to talk to? What's the ministry on-ramp that connects her to the life support of the church? Mm-hmm. And and typically in most churches, there's not a ministry on-ramp. Mm-hmm. And, and we know from the time that a woman confirms her pregnancy to the time that she schedules her abortion, I think it's like nine days or something like that, and there's only one Sunday in there. So she has to know at the time that she sees that b- positive blue plus mm-hmm. that her church is a church that's going to treat her with compassion, hope, and help. That's not right. going to try to stone her with condemnation mm-hmm. like the Pharisees tried to do with the woman caught in adultery, mm-hmm. but that they're they're going to treat her like Jesus treated that woman, saying, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. So acknowledging, yes, it is sin. It's a violation of God's design and mm-hmm. God's plan, mm-hmm. right? But... 
we're not going to condemn you. We're going to accept you. We're going to embrace you, and we're going to offer you offer you the life support uh, that for that. And frankly, we want to engage the guy. We want to kind of work with you and move from a relationship standpoint whenever possible, even to move you towards marriage, which we know from lots of years and years of work that marriage is the best in, um, societal institution to connect fathers heart to heart with their kids and also to have the best outcomes for kids and also even the best outcomes for women uh, in, in these situations. So there really is a tremendous need to have a ministry on ramp. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why we're excited about making life disciples. And I just encourage the folks that are listening mm-hmm. to come to Karenette's website mm-hmm. And you can go to our website, which is care-net.org, mm-hmm. and there's there's plenty of information there. I click guess on churches, click on churches, how you can implement things in your church. Very very low cost way to do that, mm-hmm. and the strategy really is for small groups to be trained so that they can be life support. Mm-hmm. So you know instead of small groups just being about you know too often about us loving us, mm-hmm. making small groups being about us loving them, and a small group after they're trained can come alongside mm-hmm. someone facing a pregnancy decision and and help solve some of those issues. I, I want to have a abortion because you know, I don't have a place to live or maybe my boyfriend doesn't have a job or I can't get to my prenatal visits. Well, there are people within the church that are sitting with these kind of life rings, you know, these buoys, if you will, that can offer that life support. And we, we really think that, that making sure that this issue is framed properly as a ministry issue, as opposed to just, you know, a political issue or something like that, it gives pastors the on-ramp to be become more engaged and gives folks in the congregation the ability uh, to offer compassion, hope, and help. Yeah, and, and I think that's a great place to end because it's sort of we're sort of ending where we started, which is right. talking about this. You know, there's a, there's there's a advocacy and ministry, right. and both of those things need to happen. Um, and again, you know, we're sort of in an environment now where there's a lot of talk and focus on the advocacy end, and a lot of hope around the advocacy end, mm-hmm. but it will not replace the need for for ministry yep. through pregnancy centers, through churches, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so, really, again, for our listeners, just to really kind of be aware of that. I don't necessarily want to call it a dichotomy because they're not opposing forces. Certainly, they, yeah. they work together. They're complementary ministry and advocacy, but they're two you know different things, um, and there needs to be an emphasis on both of those things uh, so that we can have a you know a complete victory mm-hmm. around this issue, and that we're not just pro-life; we're pro-abundant life. Absolutely, amen to that. So. Well, there think, you go. I think we've gotten through another one here. It's uh, yeah. even though it's you know cold outside, or I don't know, maybe it's not even cold outside. It's yeah. warm in this studio. Yeah, yeah, um, it is. Hopefully, it's not because of hot air. No, uh, not at all. Well, <laughs> no, very good. So, yes. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of Carecast. So, thanks again, Roland. Yes, yes, and to everyone out there who's listening, may God bless you and keep you, and may He guide you daily as you serve Him faithfully. Amen. 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 Amen.